Oh hey! I'm glad you're here. Growing up in a video store has most definitely impacted how I relate to the world. In any social situation, I'll always turn the conversation into the topic of films. Someone will mention that they're a carpenter, and I'll ask if they saw the Wings Hauser movie The Carpenter. Or an EMT, and I'll ask if they saw Bring Out the Dead. Or if they live on a remote farm and wear a mask made of other people's skin, I'll ask if they saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's just how I've always been. I just didn't realize it until starting this podcast. And I don't mean in a judging way at all. I just love celebrating interesting people and unique films. It's the lens through how I see the world and how I relate and read people. Huh? Read? Which brings us to this episode. The film is Read You Like a Book. The guest is a bookseller slash buyer. And this is VHS. Hello, and welcome to VHS, the podcast where each episode is about a film and the guest has the profession portrayed in the film. I'm your host, Dirk Marshall, and you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at VHUS underscore podcast and the website VH-US.com. And please do. I love to hear feedback about the guests, their professions, and the films. Speaking of guests, we have Lindsay Wilkins, who's a bookseller slash buyer. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. This is very exciting. (laughs) Uh, in addition to that, Lindsay is the host of Schlock and Awe podcast. Um, people can find you on Twitter at Read and Geek, as well as Schlock, Schlock and Awe One, and on Instagram at Schlock and Awe One. Is that correct? Yes, that is absolutely correct. And would you be so kind as to please break down what Schlock and Awe is? Um, Schlock and Awe is a double feature movie podcast um it is usually well usually it is not always um a kind of more well-regarded movie or or inspiring with something a bit more schlocky or a little little bit more b-grade it doesn't always happen like that but i like um two movies that mix uh mix themes Mm. uh and kind of um have very different ways of doing something but might have the same dna like when dirk yourself was very kindly on uh my show a few months back we did Snatches and we did The Final Girls, which are both two indie um, horror comedies, um, but are done in very different ways. One's more taking on the slasher or pastiching the slasher genre and Final Girls and Snatches is this much more kind of straightforward um, body horror alien um, sci-fi comedy. But both are about these kind of very specific female friendships. Yeah. And I love doing stuff like that. So um, that is what the show is. Awesome. Yes, I was on. It was super fun. I look forward to returning. I think we have some pretty fun ideas in the works. Oh, yeah. That, that idea is the best. So I cannot yeah. wait to have you back on for that one. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, the film that brings us together today, though, is Read You Like a Book from 2006. Was this a first time watch for you? Oh, yes. Yes, it was. Yeah. I had never heard of this movie until you suggested it. Um, yeah. I had I never heard like, of it what? until I found it to, so that I could speak to you for this episode. Uh, <laughs> I was deep in the internet and uh, and came across this thing. And I was so glad I did begin. We'll get to all of those things for sure. But um, this is not a film, I think anywhere, but on DVD. So this will be very interesting. I don't think, uh, it, I don't think yes. it was ever on VHS and it never made it to Blu-ray for sure. So this is a very unique period. Yes, this is the kind of movie where if you in the kind of bookstore that um, read you like a book, is is set the kind of bookstore that is this is the kind of book that you find in the back corner on the bottom shelf kind of shoved in behind something else it's it's that kind of movie and 
as you all know, if you've ever gone tra uh, trailing through all those kind of bookstores, all those secondhand stores or anything like that, that is where the best stuff you find. Mm -hmm. um, I'm still mulling over how I, fe I feel about this movie overall, but it is a fascinating, fascinating yeah. little um, curiosity. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. At the time of this recording, you can only find this on DVD, which is a shame, but you can call your local video store like Movie Madness here in Portland, Oregon, and ask them if they have it. Uh, the synopsis is a mystical book allows people in a bookstore to undo their biggest mistakes. However, trouble erupts when a dangerous intruder arrives and the book is used to hide incriminating data, which is so weird. But that is, is, that's what's happening. <laughs> yes. It's, it's yeah. Uh, our director is Robert N. Zagone, who did a Dylan Speaks, uh, uh, um, the musician Bob Dylan, uh, documentary mm. in 1965. He did some shorts and he did the stand-in in 1985, which I've never seen or heard of, but it also has Danny Glover in it. And his character is one of my favorite character names I've ever read. His name is Apples Finnerty. <laughs> that is an excellent name. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, yeah, the, yes, the, there's so many things to unpack in this movie. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure where to begin. Um, yes, it's a magic book that can kind of take away your your greatest mistakes at the same time you don't this is a movie where you didn't necessarily need a magic book right that makes sense yeah the plot could have got along completely without it and it's good enough to go out go out with it but then you wouldn't have danny glover wearing a hat being all oh i've got a secret face um and he, he must it. have been on set for 10 minutes i think he must have yes <laughs> yes like... it was a definitely you're a mate i'm coming and doing this i'm yeah. out bye exactly <laughs> Uh, and then the other thing that Robert made was a document documentary about the jazz musician Stan Getz. So mostly kind of more more of a documentarian, um, but you know got his hand in here. We have two cinematographers. We have Michael Chin, who has eighty three credits, all of them documentaries, mm -hmm. uh, and Bill Zarki, who did lots of shorts and the MC Hammer Too Legit to Quit video and the Prey video. <laughs> Oh, well, those are just a legitimate masterpieces. Sure. So, um, actually, the documentary stuff, now that you mention it, kind of makes sense because it's kind of got that very, uh, not crisp and clear, but kind of very um, unfiltered yes. varnish to it. Um, so the, now that you said he's done documentaries and his uh, cinematographer was a um, shot documentaries, yep. that is all kind of making sense in my head as into why it looks the way it does. Yeah, it's like an indie with doc cinematography. It's very strange. It is, yes, yeah. Uh, and our editor is Roger Krakow, who did this and something called Boxed In, and that that's all. Um, moving into actors, we have Tony Amendola, uh, mm -hmm. 134 credits, so I'll just list a <laughs> few. Um, he's a beast. He did CSI, Stargate, SG-1, General Hospital, but my, my autocorrect made it Genital Hospital, which <laughs> <laughs> I think is a very different show. Very, uh, very different show. But all of those shows overlapped with the filming of this movie. So he was on all of those shows taping and made this in the middle of that. He did The Burrower, uh, The Mask of Zorro, Blow, The Legend of Zorro, and The Devil's Candy, to name a few. Oh. No, he's a definite, you, when you see, uh, he's a definite that guy kind yes. of actor. And yeah. For sure. I just learned his name and I've seen all of those things except for Genital Hospital. I haven't seen that one. Um, <laughs> really? I would say the third season of Genital, Genital <laughs> Hospital is actually really well done. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta see that. Uh, Barbara Crampton is the next actor. Uh, body double, reanimator, chopping mall, from beyond, pulse pounders, puppet master, trancers 2, castle freak, robot wars, space truckers, 
your next Lords of Salem, Beyond the Gates, Jacob's Wife, just to name a few. I think we all love Barbara Crampton. Legend. Yeah. Yeah. Next is Karen Black, 204 credits, so I'll only name a few. Easy Rider, Five Easy Pieces, The Great Gatsby, Nashville, Burn Offerings, Cut and Run, Savage Dawn, and The Player. Um, pretty amazing. And then the last I actor. Love a legend. <laughs> yes. And the last actor I'll mention is Ricardo Gill. Uh, he is the uh, little person in the film. He was in Snow White 1987 with Billy Barty, Cherish, Epic Movie, and Ginger Dead Man 2, The Passion of the Crust. But mm. I think he's excellent in this. And there aren't enough roles for little people that d isn't all about a person being a little person. It's yes. and, and the thing that I really appreciate about this film, and we'll talk about all of that, but is that some of these actors are often in horror movies and are screaming or covered in blood or whatever. And in this, more or less, they're normal people. And I think it's so fascinating to get that range from these actors. It really is. It's kind of got the sensibility of, um, I guess we get into it, this like dream bookstore where all the people who are, who visit it are kind of these outcasts or these kind of, um, usually would be outsiders maybe, and they are just regular people within this, in this yeah. environment, which is actually really refreshing to see because you're right. Um, I kept waiting for the little person joke or the, yeah. uh, something like that to happen because it's always in those movies. Yeah. Um, and this wasn't, he was just a guy who worked in a bookshop who liked conspiracy theories and that was his character. So it was kind of just nice to be able to go, oh, I can just, I don't have to worry about this joke coming up. It's right yeah. there. And it's a great point you made about the outcast situation mm -hmm. because I spent a lot of time, not so much in bookstores, but definitely in like used record shops, crawling around, yeah. digging through record bins. And they really are places where outsiders are regulars like we all mm. go in there we all have our niche that we're into we're searching for this cassette or this 10 inch or whatever it is and I never even realized that until you said it and I'm like oh wow yeah it's just always a collection of ever-changing outsiders that are into their specific thing yes yes it is and I've worked in places where it is just those outsiders who are absolutely um zoned in on what they like and their specific collections and what they're looking to fill mm -hmm. them in or anything kind of new or it's your run-of-the-mill person who would visit a um, bookshop. It's kind of, there's like, there's like nothing in between between those yeah. groups. No, it's true. <laughs> yeah. And growing up in a video store is very much the same. There's like the normies that would just come in and walk to the newest releases. They would yes. just walk past everything that's genres. And they'd be yes. like, I want the new thing with the guy or girl I know in it. And like, yes. that's what they watch. And they don't even probably pay attention to it sometimes. It's just a thing that's on, you know, people that were like talk in the middle of a sequence in a film and you're just like, what are you doing? Like, there's a piece to this, like this. And they're just like, what are you talking about? I, ha I have yeah. a show on, I'll do other things. You know, oh yes. It drives me crazy. And then there's people that go straight to the back and they go right to whatever, the horror or the sci-fi. They look on that bottom row for that weird movie that like yes. <laughs> is just there because it's got to fill space, you know? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Mm. So let's press play on Read You Like a Book. We start with moody music as we see the bookstore where our story shall take place. Our story? Our story shall take place. <laughs> and we get the credits as Dante turns on the lights and he's opening up shop. Did this make you feel like you were at work in any way whatsoever? Um, no, it's a little bit too whimsical because usually <laughs> I have a coffee in one hand, right. about three bags in the other, um, and I'm trying to juggle everything. So it's was a bit more calmer than I'm used to, I mean, because I'm always running late. <laughs> right. Um, 
it there's other moments that I definitely felt oh I know exactly what this is this was a bit more um because the movie's trying to set up this place as a place of wonder yes um and because I think I've worked in bookstores just too long that I don't go in and go oh I'm lucky to work in a bookstore I have to remind myself (laughs) that yeah this is a place where not everyone gets to work because I'm usually like okay crap I've got to order this I've got this appointment I've got this 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 um so i think it's a little bit calmer than i'm used to but that's just more my personality <laughs> when i get to work in the <laughs> yeah that makes sense that makes sense uh we get dante standing and just basking in the quiet store full of mm. great literary works and an excellent monologue to open up the film i love books thick and substantial hardbacks slender and compact paperbacks I love the texture of a book, its feel in my hand. I love the typeface, the slipcase, the artwork on the cover. I love the soft smell of crisp new paper. Or the warm wooden odor of a used classic. And, once upon a time, long before the age of malls and superstores, the local bookstore was a vast paradise. I did this in a video store only um, instead of a cool monologue, it was just Huey Lewis in the news playing on the stereo in the store <laughs> and probably me rattling off the names of the clowns from Killer Clowns from Outer Space. That was like a yeah. thing I obsessed over trying to learn all the different names. Yeah. Next, we get the employees arriving. We get Norman, Marsha B, the B-movie specialist, Karen, play, uh, Karen Black playing Kate, and the regulars. We get Benny and uh, Gina. And I do miss the regulars of, of working in a video store and eventually record stores. Do you encounter your fair share of regulars in your bookstore? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I call them, yeah, I, that is sort of when you're in and then the world starts to wake up, that feels very familiar because you have another staff member coming in and it's that usual feeling because you see them a lot of the time or haven't seen them for a few days. Your conversation just kind of picks up where it lifts off. And I think that you definitely get that with... Um, with the two guys coming in um, and then the regulars, some, you know, who will come in in the morning um, or they'll come in, you know, kind of what times they're going to come in because they're creatures of habit. Um, and, you know, it's not as quirky as this kind of movie, but most bookstore, record store movies are always got that little element of quirk, which I kind of wish was in um, the reality. But yeah, you get you get to know faces. Some of them mm-hmm. are people I just love and I love interacting with. Some are annoy the living snot out of me, but sure. just because you're working with people. Yeah. Other people have um, I've learned to love over time. So when you first interact them, you're like, oh, you're going to be high maintenance. And now because I've just known them for six years, I'm like, oh, yep, I know who you are exactly. I know how to. I know how to interact with you, and I know what's yeah. They're kind of then friends, but they're not. Yeah. friends like there's a moment when um dante is kind of stroking gina's hand and that just felt so inappropriate yeah. i was like what are you doing well it is um, i think even, yeah even my regulars i am not touchy-feely i don't no. i know that there's like a boundary that you can't really cross yeah um and yeah that was just like oh wow that's this is where this is going straight away yikes yeah <laughs> that is that is something uh through my wife's food business, we we have a ton of regulars, mm. and it's I, it's like sort of intimate because you're feeding them, and yes. they're you know, and and then they want you to succeed, and so there's these, and you get to these weird points where it's like like after the you know, and a year and a half of pandemic where they're like, 
we're at a point where we can hug people or something. And you're like, I guess you do that. I don't know. I'm like a bubble person. So I'm like, nah, I'm good. Like usually yeah. if my wife hugs someone, I just yell, that counts for two, you know, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's, it's tricky. A man enters with one old book and it's Danny Glover. It's the part yes. we mentioned earlier. <laughs> Uh, Danny asks if the, if he's ever thought about if you could go back and change one moment in your life. And he has a euphoric feeling and then Danny disappears. And here's the question for you. If you had a book that would change one thing in your life, would you change it? Have you ever looked back on certain events in your life, choices you took, and wondered what it'd be like to do them all? Having a second chance, so to speak. Hmm. Um, I think my first reaction is to go yes, but then I know that it would change everything. So yeah. It's, something, it's very much a be careful what you wish for. And I right. wish the kind of movie went into that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, my biggest kind of regrets, I know I can't go back to because then I wouldn't have the life I have yeah. now. Um, so ultimately first I would jump at the chance, but then I would realize I'd be like, oh, but I like my life. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't want it to change. Well, and he prices this book at $100, which seems a little low for a book that can change your life. <laughs> yes. But <laughs> I don't know how it works, really. Do you, you do you have anything to do with pricing of books in your store? Um, yes. Um, basic, well, in Australia, we have a thing called recommended retail, which is usually we keep too. Um, you don't ha legally, you can go over or under. Oh, wow. um, we, pref uh, we prefer to keep it at that because people know what the recommended retailer is in Australia and it's on books. It's not necessarily on gifts, cards, or that kind of thing. Gotcha. Um, so it's mainly playing with the margins within that. So what discounts you get, how much something is, but then we do other gifts as well. And so, yeah, we do have a lot to do with pricing. So it's the margin is a incredibly important, um, thing when you're working in, in well, any store, but, um, a store where you're in charge of it more, it, you are thinking about those margins are always constantly going through your head. Okay, how much am I making off this? <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, you got to keep the lights on. You got to have payroll. I mean. Exactly. <laughs> Dante goes to Kate and tells her to check out the book, but he doesn't take her to it, which is a weird part where I'm like, it's, what? all right. Yeah, they do that a few times. <laughs> yes, it's really strange. Uh, Gina yeah. finds the illustrated book of failure, as it's called, and then she collapses in a chair and a stranger asks her about Japanese directors. And I was very excited about this part because I'm like, oh, cool, a topic I like. And then, it, you know. Yeah. Actually, I kind of like that topic because it's like, well, obviously it's Kurosawa. And yeah. I'm like, well, yeah, that's kind of what I would say if someone came in and asked me about a Japanese novel. I'd go, well, obviously Murakami, um, yeah. Hosuka Murakami. But if you wanted something else, we could do this, this or this. Um, so the trick is that you mentioned the most obvious thing to sort of see right. where the person's gauge is. If they haven't mm -hmm. heard of, if they haven't read Murakami, then I'm like, oh, well, read friggin Murakami or yeah. my next question how strange do you want to get um kind of thing so it's kind of a good way of it's actually a good tip for when you're engaging with someone and you don't know what their taste is uh you either what ask what they like or ask what you think the most obvious choice is and then you can go from there so yeah I, I like that yeah yeah I wonder what the top selling Murakami book is um it generally i can't think of the top of my head i know for us generally it's probably wind up bird yep i was gonna say I the know, wind up bird chronicles is like yeah probably. but 
Yeah, but Norwegian wood does really well as well uh, because okay. I think a lot of people want to start with that because a lot of people go, oh, I've heard he's weird. And then you go, okay, we'll read Norwegian wood because you're going to get a taste of that, but you're not going to go into the full right. person sitting in a well kind of well, um, that's thing. A, a great example of like what you do um, mm. is you're like really gauging for the people. And I, you know, I did that in music or, or movies less successfully because I, I think I tend to not think about what I'm recommending and you're applying all this thought and effort into it. But I, I love that. I love the idea of someone being able to go to a bookstore or like myself, I just messaged you and was like, my wife likes like thriller stuff, but not like political thrillers. And you just listed off like 10 books. And I was like, this is great because she never knows what to get at all. Mm. But yeah, you know, mm. it's a good skill set to have. So thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Next, we see Barbara Crampton, who's meeting a man at the store, and she removes her underwear and drops them on the book. Uh, Very uh, Barbara Crampton yeah. um, before she got her second wave, because this is before um, yes. you're next, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was so happy that her and Karen Black, I think this cast is yes. phenomenal, is, is just amazing. And when I saw it, she's on the poster, um, she's in the credits, and so, but when she turns up, I'm just like, yeah very happy to see you and um she does have an interesting arc and i think for yep. what she's kind of given she does she gives a really great performance actually uh yeah i believe her and karen black are i mean no offense to tony but those are the two actors that i say find this movie because i believe barbara crampton does a great performance and karen black in a role that i've never seen her in um, yes with the mm. time she spends with the child which we'll get to it's just it's just wonderful it was nice to see her being, um, I love Karen Black. And sure. though my, my favorite Karen Black performances tends to be when she's going big. Of course, um, yes. And so to see her being kind of quiet and warm was actually kind of a delight to see because it's not a side I've generally seen her in, but I have not seen all of her 200 credits. So right. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get on that. Yes. Well, Barbara picks up the book and feels super weird. And then a man kisses her neck, which made me feel pretty weird. Yeah, the sexuality in this movie is very strange. Yeah, it's it's really true. Uh, Gina gets invited to a baseball game, and Benny the regular spies the guy and Barbara at the back of the store, and then a weird song starts playing. The soundtrack is so strange in this movie. Uh, yes, it feels like it's almost the director's, Robert Zagon's personal kind of collection that he somehow just wormed into the movie. It's like, oh, I've got these five CDs, we'll play them. Yeah. <laughs> They don't seem to make much narrative sense. <laughs> yeah, and knowing that he's done a doc on um, Bob Dylan and on Stan Getz, I would say these songs are somewhere between those two musicians. It's very yes. interesting. <laughs> uh, Dante goes to break up the two, but sees her face and he retreats. And then the guy's pager goes off and he leaves. Uh, Dante confronts her and we learn that they have a past, but she didn't know he works at the bookstore and she's married to a guy named David, but she was with that other guy. And I was like, oh, what's going to happen in this movie? Because I didn't read the synopsis. I bought this and then was watching it and just being like, I don't know what's going to happen in this movie. I did not know. I did not expect the magical realism element in it. I, yeah. same with me. I didn't even look at the plot. All I knew it was called um, Read You Like a Book and that it had these people in it. Um, yep. Other than that, everything else was a complete surprise. Yes, <laughs> agreed. She says that she could read them like a book. So if you're playing at home, you can drink. Doesn't have yes. to be alcohol, could be wheatgrass, but they do say the name in the film. Uh, so we kind of get Dante's beginning sort of in the bookstore, but we don't know yours. So where did you begin on this path in literature? I started when I was, oh, back, this is a long time ago. Um, 
a I'd been trying to work into a bookstore ever since high school, and it wasn't until when I was at university when I finally got my first job, just at a at, at a chain um, bookstore in back in New Zealand, <laughs> back in the early two thousands. I think it was like two thousand one. What was that 2000, chain called? Two thousand two. It was called. It's called Whitkills. It still exists in New Zealand. Whitkills. Whitkills. Mm. Um, and yeah, they're, they're one of the main big um, chain bookstores. Um, and it's uh, you know it's old DVDs. It's old or um, I think it was, yeah, I think it had a few Blu-rays time I left. Um, it had, you know, magazines. Um, I think it's gone into some gifts now, but a whole range of different kind of books um, in New Zealand. The news agency um, and the uh, bookstore are very similar things. So you would, you could go there to, you'd go there to buy your newspaper as well as a whole bunch of other things. Gotcha. Um, so that's where I worked. And somehow I became a night manager because we were next to an old movie theater. Oh, we're not an old movie theater, a new movie theater, so we would be open late on weekends. So I somehow became the um, uh, movie uh, a manager and then also in charge of, I got in, put in charge of sections. Um, I wasn't the main buyer, but I was starting to be one of the assistant buyers, as in we would just um, fill up sections, make sure sections were organized, all that kind of thing. Um, and then it just kind of went from there, and I've never actually left I th i'm not entirely sure what well no i do i think it's the kind of um the one thing i'm not terrible at <laughs> so <laughs> when you get into the wide world and you realize you're like no i can recommend things that's what i know how to do so um i've just kind of stayed and worked at a few different places um you know big chains small independence i'm at a small indie at the moment um where literally we are the head office so there's no which if i need to complain to head office i can just complain to myself um <laughs> I do that uh, all and... the time. <laughs> I'm my own head office, I guess. Exactly. Um, and yeah, so it's just, that's kind of how it's been. I've had like multiple jobs with, within the kind of the bookstore, but when you work in a bookstore, you quickly learn that you are the jack of all trades. Mm. You are the IT department. You are the cleaner. You are the event um, manager. You are sort of everything that kind of goes into running a organization like that. Because yeah, bookstores are now places um, of to where people gather um, because I've had to find their place with um, the internet and all that kind of thing. It's more about, okay, this is a place where people can come together and share the experience of a book, all that kind of thing, not necessarily just reading it. It's a little, yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it's a little bit more multifaceted than it used to be. Gotcha. Ah, well, back in the bookstore, Barbara is awesome and she tells him off and he leaves. Mm. Uh, Dante quotes Casablanca, and he rushes back to the book and finds her underwear. Uh, <laughs> the next day, I think a man and his daughter show up, and then a guy in an orange jumpsuit tries to steal five huge books. <laughs> yes. It's so weird. I, I've actually had experience, not similar to that, but I've had a couple experiences where you're watching someone who's very not good at it or very intoxicated trying to yeah. steal something. Because usually they're really good at it. You don't... Sure, yes. You're not meant to notice them. Um, but you just sort of... And you do kind of just watch them going... Really? That's yeah. what you're trying to do? And then wow. you go over and <laughs> go, right. um, I will hold these books for you, <laughs> like that kind of thing. But it's, um, yeah, it's a strange experience when you're watching someone who is terrible at it. And that yes. sequence when he's putting it in his jumpsuit. There's is just so like, many big books. No, just yeah. no. <laughs> oh, man. The man and daughter see two gentlemen spying on them. So Rick leaves his daughter with Karen Black. And he heads back to the back of the store, finds the book, gets followed by a man. Karen recommends The Great Dinosaur Escape, which I believe is not a book, but it's a National Geographic D DVD, I think. Huh, interesting. 
Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, I didn't really. I was sort of more concerned about the other books that were on the rack. Yeah. Than oh, yeah. Actually... Were you looking at other books while you were watching the film? <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, Clifford. Yep, that book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, it means it's time to play a game. So I hope you're ready to play Eric Roberts' movie or Danielle Steele novel. Oh, excellent. Yeah, I can honestly say this is possibly an impossible game, seeing as how Eric Roberts has 637 credits and Daniel Steele has written over 190 books. Yeah, I was going to say, she's written, what, 600? But no, that's probably more realistic. But she brings out one or two a year. I'm just like, oh, okay, yep, let's go. It's unbelievable. So listeners, (laughs) uh, we want to know your scores. So if you're playing along at home, uh, please reach out to us on uh, Twitter or Instagram, VHUS underscore podcast. Uh, or even on Facebook, because this uh, this is going to be tough. But let's see <laughs> how it's going to be really tough. <laughs> see how we do. Uh, well, there's only five. So number one, the opposite sex. This is from 2014. I'm going to say that's an Eric Roberts movie. Correct. Also starring Mina Suvari and featuring Joey Fatone as a delivery guy. Ah, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, number two, the clone and I, and it's clone spelt with a K. Um. Is that an Eric Roberts movie? That's See, this is tricky. It's not. It's Daniel Steele's 42nd novel, and it hit number two on the New York Times bestseller list about a woman who divorces a man only to meet his clone. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Clone and I, for everyone wanting to check that out. Um, Oh, yes. (laughs) Number three, Fatal Desire. This is also 2006, same year as this film. This is going to be tricky because you could go either or. Exactly. I'm going to say... I'm going to go Daniel Steele. Oh, I'm sorry. It's Eric Roberts and Anne Heche. Ah! <laughs> what a combo. 2006. Wow. <laughs> I have uh, never heard of that film. Neither have uh, I. Number four, Heaven's Prisoners. This is 1996. I want to say Eric Roberts. Correct. Also starring Alec Baldwin, Kelly Lynch, Mary Stuart Masterson. It's about a hard New Orleans cop named David Robichaux who finally tosses in the badge and settles into settles into life on the bayou with his wife but a bizarre plane crash draws him back into the fray what kind of on a novel (laughs) is it yeah i've read that novel yeah i can't remember i think i may have seen that movie which is why i knew it was but i couldn't remember yeah it's um it's actually based on a pretty good series it's still going which is like oh my god how old are these characters but um yeah it's um not bad the movie's bit average but yeah yeah okay i'll check it out i just love that they say a bizarre plane crash i'm like what was it full of clowns how bizarre is this plane crash like it just a regular plane crash would probably bring it back it's a a regular plane crash it's not that yeah it's not that bizarre (laughs) okay uh number five against all odds wait is he in that oh shoot this is a trick what year is this um i don't oh uh 84 oh that's a Eric Roberts? That's a movie, isn't it? Yeah, I'm going to go with Eric Roberts again. It is a movie, but it's a James Woods film, and it's a Daniel Steele novel from 2017. <laughs> I was just thinking, because half those titles, I'm like going, that could be either or. <laughs> yeah, it's the, I mean, all of them. I was looking at these yeah. two lists because I was like, oh, that might be fun because it's a literary person and someone who's a prolific actor. But then every single title, I was just like, well, that could be either. And then I was trying to do both, as I've done in previous games, but like, after 45 minutes, I was like, why am I doing this? Who is this Who is this for? <laughs> Trying to match Eric Roberts and Daniel Steele. 
It's a combination, to say the least. Yes, yeah. Um, no, Daniel Steele's a weird one. I've never read any of her novels, but she's, like, one of the biggest worldwide-selling authors. Um, I don't yes. know who's reading her, but she, like, even outsells Stephen King. And I'm just like, what is happening? Yeah, and I always thought Fabio was on the cover of her novels, but he's actually not on the cover of any of her novels. He's on the cover of two other, one other author. Maybe it's two. Yeah, but something the- like that. Yeah, it's, it. yeah, from what I can gather, they're more... Well, she does do the weird clone ones, but they often are like weird society soap operas. I th- yeah. think, from what I can gather, um, Evan, yeah, they're, they're less like. Her, but yeah, I thought she wrote steamy novels, but I don't think she does. I think it's like dramas. Yeah, it's very much a drama. People think, oh, she's a steamy romance. Like, no, she's I think she's pretty stately actually. Yeah. She must be like a very very elderly woman now, but um. Yeah, because she's been doing it for a very long time. <laughs> so long, so long. Well, back in the bookstore, Rick, a.k.a. Dr. Ortiz, makes a call, and we learn that he has a disc, and it's in the book. Leah, it's Dr. Ortiz. I've got the disc for you. It's a copy-protected original. It has all the clinical data on it, and it's unquestionable proof. The problem is, I'm being followed, so I ducked into a bookstore before I could get to you. Black Oak Books. Dante gets to it first. Little girl Isabel tells Karen that her mom died. That's a sad little part. Mm. And then Gina's back with Dante. He apologizes. And it's awkward. Anything between Gina and Dante, I was like, I don't like this. Whatever this is, please don't keep doing this. It feels so forced. Like, you're like, Gina, no. This is just continuing your bad guy, whatever you think you're doing. And going to a bookstore to pick up men feels very strange. Um, It's... That does seem weird. Yeah, and her and Dante just don't work. It's There's, it's very yeah. I I thought I, it was her dad for a while. I was just like, <laughs> this is not appropriate. And then I was nope. like, oh, I think that they have history. I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, it's odd. The men confront Rick, and he sends his kid back to Kate and takes the men to the shelf. But the book is gone. And a lady asks Dante to throw her cup away, and we see that she spilled coffee all over the books spills can we talk about spills in bookstores why doesn't he have a cloth um <laughs> seriously um the spills happen all the time people bring food in you're never gonna stop it right um there's many signs as you have or you tell people that they can't bring food in it's just kind of one of those losing battles that you're never gonna win um no you have a it's kind of weird that he touches the coffee and then looks at his hands i was like yeah. <laughs> dude get a cloth yeah wipe it up dry the books off they're not going to get that mold that quickly um even if they're old it's fine um yeah it seemed like a much bigger deal um like yeah don't i don't want to get into dante's shelving technique but it's um it's yeah it was a bit of a weird moment because i'm like oh that's not that big a deal that happens you just clean it up like the amount of times i've had kids drop something it's yeah just the fact that i'm just like where is your cloth there has yeah. to be a cloth at some point in this. <laughs> it's like he's never had this happen, but this is exactly a, this is something that happens in all of these arenas that we've discussed. Is the idea where customers just think the rules don't apply to them? Oh yeah, and that's a very realistic thing. Like um, we've kind of gotten to the stage where we just say no to ice cream. That is the one thing that we will oh, actually go no, 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 ice cream out. 
um, because it's kind of this losing battle of, um, yeah, you think, because they read the rules and they're like, oh, that doesn't apply to me because I'm doing this or whatever. Yeah. Um, they can usually find a way around it. And since a store is such a public area, trying to tell people that there are rules to it is just a, unless it's something completely egregious, is just completely, um, you know, the pointless. Yeah. I always love the one where people are like, well, I, know, I already know what I want. So, and you're like, that's it's, not part of the situation. We're not like, no drinks yeah. unless you know what you want. In that yes. case, bring them yes. in. It's like they come up with this massive ice cream, but I already know what I want. I'm like, you're yeah. touching a hundred dollar book. No. <laughs> <laughs> Those two things are not allowed to go together. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's yeah, it's very, very strange. That can kind of how people justify how none of the rules, like a store is a public place, yes, but at the same time, it's not. It's still a private owned entity and there are certain etiquette rules I think you need to yeah. follow. <laughs> yeah. Like I, not bringing a mess of ice cream on a hot day into my store. <laughs> yeah. When my wife works at the uh, the farmer's market where she sells her sauces, mm. it's a no dog thing. Like don't yes. bring your dogs to the farmer's market. And it's not a sanitary thing. It actually has to do with the leashes and people tripping yeah. and falling and that kind of thing. But the amount of people that show up with their dogs and just walk like like not looking at the sign, like then it doesn't yeah. matter or they pick their dog up and then it's not a dog anymore. It's just like constantly just like, what it's, I, I don't get it. Like for me, yeah. I would just be like, oh, okay, I'll wait here and yeah. you go get what I mean, or just don't take your, I don't know. I don't want to get into the whole thing. The dog people will come yeah. after me. I, I know the feeling. It's just, you just look at people sometimes and you just kind of go, huh. Yeah. It's, it, just the way they justify certain rules and these are, I'm not talking about massively big life-changing rules sure. i mean no. this isn't but these are just kind of like things that just make it easier for everyone yes. um well and said. and it's just not and it's, it makes it easier for you in the long run but it's just yeah just the way people can justify certain things and i've probably done it myself without realizing it um that it's just yeah i'm just like no etiquette people there's an etiquette yeah. <laughs> let's all just follow the etiquette people yes <laughs> Uh, we see Kate and the others drop horror movie references. I liked this part too. I love that that the script is pretty simple, but it has these moments where talking about Japanese directors or talking about horror movie references. Like for for me, my brain all lights up and it's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I like this stuff. Talk more about this stuff. Excuse me, have you guys seen Dante? Castle Freak? He drank an empty cup of coffee. He took a ride at the last house on the left and was never heard from again. Perhaps he ran into the people under the stairs. Oh, you've got unseen depths, Norman. You're a regular beast from 20,000 fathoms. Well, if you see the creature walking amongst us, tell him I'm looking for him. Whoa. That was pretty damn good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and because I didn't kind of get really involved in that till like past 2010, especially with Argento, um, the fact that he got a reference, I was like, oh, someone's referring uh, Argento in 2006. Yeah. That feels, for my world anyway, that feels relatively new. Um, but he's been obviously around because he was making movies back in the 70s and 80s. But it's just, yeah, it's like, oh, this is, I, I like this. Yeah, yeah, this is this is great. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm the same. I, you know, grew up around all these movies, around Argento and... <laughs> and everything, but I wasn't a Fulci kid. I wasn't, I just, there was something about the Italian horror stuff. 
maybe a lot of the foreign horror stuff from from not from the states I just was I was outside of it and it wasn't until like later on where I think I got enough of the language like you talked about walking someone into a a a writer Mm. author um sometimes you need that little bit of a blueprint so you're you're not going to slip out of it you're like okay I think I get this and then you can delve a little bit deeper and yeah totally totally I, yeah I, yeah I it's just learning the lingo or the the whatever language of that particular medium that you're needing to get into but yeah exactly the same i can't i mean it might have changed now but i cannot imagine a child what even just argento and going how do i even approach this i mean a right. lot of the sort of american stuff or western stuff you kind of already know the ends but to watch something italian or japanese i can imagine as a child you would have just gone i don't what is this yeah exactly there's a way you have to and the dubbing and you know all the stuff that i now find endearing at the time i was like i don't i don't like this at all like what (laughs) what is this This is weird why is the blood that color and like you know like yeah definitely um kate talks to rick and he says if i didn't like long stories why would i work in a bookstore uh do you like long stories from customers no Uh yeah because um it's really weird um i don't know what it is exactly but people will maybe because you're because when you recommend literature i think it's a very personal thing it's like when you're saying how you and your wife feed people so you've got this very odd relationship because it is it becomes a personal kind of thing it's the same with books um you're recommending something very very personal so people will just start telling you all kinds of things and they can be very long-winded stories yes um i'm not the best (laughs) even though i can be very long-winded myself if you haven't noticed but um it can be um i can get very annoyed by it i'm just like okay just get to the point what do you want (laughs) a little bit i have to remind myself of like oh this is new for someone this um but yeah i'm not the biggest fan of long-winded customer because they will always sometimes think that you have the same views as them instantly oh, and it's yeah. like it's like oh no i, I know okay this is gonna get into some interesting territory yeah. they're like <laughs> do you have mind comp because i need to uh yeah, yeah. i uh <laughs> i'm i am aware of the situation i don't like it and i also cannot help myself so often that i'm like if i went into a bookstore this you'd be like what can I help you find? And I'd be like, so my friend, he told me about this book and I was like, that sounds pretty good. We were listening to this record. And anyway, I and the person just be like, can you just name the book you're looking for? But like my <laughs> brain starts in a totally weird place and then we'll eventually get to the, right about when their eyes glaze over is about the time when I would, <laughs> I, can't, I don't know what it is, but my wife will just be like, wow, have you, have you talked to anyone recently? And I'll be like, no. No, usually it's because people don't remember the title so they're trying to work out all the information they oh, have yeah. before they can give you it and so you're just like going okay i'm starting at this point and i've got to get to over here and right. it's mainly because i don't think they quite remember what they're trying to say yep. um i think that's a lot of it a lot of the time or um they want to tell you the emotional reason why they want something sure. and and yeah, it can be a little bit, I want to create a, a bit of a distance and you can't always. <laughs> yeah, I didn't ever realize this, like the, how much the bookstore and the video stores is, is the same because you'd have the person come in and be like, I'm looking for this movie and it has this guy. And oh, yes. <laughs> he like kind of knows a horse and you're like, what? Like, I, okay, what else happens in it? And he's like, well, yeah. it's in color. And you're like, oh no, like we need more, more than <laughs> yeah. this. It's got a blue cover. I'm like, oh, no, I need more than this. Yeah. Um, or like when back in the early 2000s a lot of the time you'd get this i saw this on the internet and i'm like oh. 
Oh, okay. It's even back in 2002, it was still a very large place. I think you need to narrow this down for me. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, next, Rick straight up tells her everything, but half in Elvish and half in French. And I thought this part was really great. And it's one of the reasons I always tell people to seek out these indies because they do very creative things just once in the film. This happens yes. where he's talking in Elvish and French. And then Karen is amazing in the sequence, by the way. Oh, but she's then, amazing. Yeah. Then when the guys are spying on them and speak, there's subtitles in the film. <laughs> it goes into French. It's like, wait, what? And then they drop it. It's only there for that se that one sequence. But like, yeah. man, it's those things that it ticks the box in my brain where I'm like, I love that I saw this. I mean, I know that this isn't going to be like everyone's favorite movie, but man, it just makes some choices that I just go, yeah, that's, that's the thing. It did this a couple of times and yeah, especially that particular sequence. I really loved it because it just, it would, yeah, this movie kind of reminded me of, um, now I don't mean this is, is a, in a bad way. I just mean, this is in how I felt about it. Like it was almost like Albert Pune's first movie. Oh, okay. Um, that, but he did, but the director didn't quite know what order he wanted to tell things in. So it's kind of a little bit all over the place. He's really trying these kind of really quirky imaginative things within it. It just doesn't necessarily all fit together. And I don't know why Albert Pune popped into my head, um, just because I think he's just got this really imaginative way of telling whatever story. Yeah, what was his he has first his disposal. movie? Actually, I don't know. Um, I This is what I imagine if he wasn't doing like genre, this would be his first movie. Yeah, but, I think that's um, a great example. I, I've yeah. seen so much of his movies, but he's a director that I'd seen probably five movies or something before I started noticing the name. Yeah, yeah I think know? I only started, I think I watched my first Albert Pune like um, last, was it, I think it was last year. I don't know, time is meaningless at the moment. Yes. True. And because um, it was Nemesis. Oh yeah, Oliver Turner. Yes, um, and it was just such a like I didn't know what to make of it. It was just like this. I I don't know what to make of any of this or how to take this in or how to even approach it. As again, like I didn't have the the cinematic language in me to go what. <laughs> now I yes. keep going back to him because I'm like I'm gonna figure this thing out. <laughs> then Dante says weird things like this happen at a bookstore. Do weird things happen in the bookstore? Not that weird. Um, yeah. I've never had some uh, corporate espionage thing happen right? um, that I've noticed. Though so I'm a bit like, um, uh, I can't remember her character's name, but um, uh, Sean Laundry, who just kind of misses everything. Like if something's happened, I'm like two minutes later, oh, what was that over there? And then nice. I'm like, oh. um, a little bit, but it's no, I mean, I've had the odd couple fight. I've had that all oh, yeah. that kind of thing, but I've never had anything that particularly strange happen. Yeah, and then they list off things found in books. And I like this uh, this idea. Have you found any weird things in books? Uh, yes, I've never worked in a secondhand bookshop, which right, is right. kind of where you'd find all these things. Um, but I have bought secondhand books and I have found people who put little advertisements in, who've left little things in there. But my favorite thing about secondhand books is the fact that you will find handwritten notes yes. or a card mm -hmm. or um, uh, just these weird little kind of details, notes written to someone else. Um, it gives the book history and you've known it's passed from hand to hand and it's a kind of a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I really loved that sequence. Yeah. Again, it's just this really kind of cool little moment in a movie that you weren't expecting um, when you watch the first few frames of this of this movie. Yeah, I totally agree. The espionage part of this film 
is so weird that it's there uh because these moments like this this the parts about the actual bookstore seem like a small little indie film and the fact that there's like spies and stuff going on I okay anyway gina gina talks to an elder gentleman and then kate takes dante to the back and explains everything so dante just gives her the book she touches it and is overwhelmed but she gets the disc dante freaks out because the disc has a number on it because dante <laughs> We're not done building the story out. Somehow has a history with the same pills and medical stuff, but Dante didn't fight the medical company. And at this point, it seems uh, Dante could use a break. And oddly enough, so could we. So we'll be right back after this. Oh, hey, I was just deciding what to make for dinner tomorrow. How does my Taki tacos with a porcini mushroom dipping broth sound? or savory green chili corn cakes with an arugula salad. Well, how about roasted root vegetables with a habanero bernays sauce, hmm? Nah, I think I might go with a baked gnocchi and a carrot top pesto, but no matter which I choose, these and much more can be found at marshallshotsauce.com. That's right, the same place you'll find sauces like smoked habanero barbecue, serrano ginger lemongrass, red chili lime, and habanero carrot curry, to name a few. You will also find many creative delicious recipes on how you can cook with each sauce. And every recipe is made with minimal ingredients and simple techniques written by Sarah Marshall, who also makes and bottles each bottle of Marshall's hot sauce. Plus, she just launched a new line of spice blends. The barbecue rub, by the way, is amazing, and the taco seasoning will melt off your face. Plus, her new edition of her cookbook, Canning Guide Preservation Pantry, is out now. Look, if you want to make your own awesome hot sauce and pickles and more, pick up Preservation Pantry. So head on over to Marshall's Hot Sauce, that's Marshall's, H-A-U-T-E sauce.com, and at checkout, enter VHS Podcast for 20% off. That's right, 20% off just by entering VHUS Podcast, one word, at checkout. Okay, back to the show. And we're back! Dante then witnesses the old guy Gina is talking to speak on the phone to his wife. What a dirty dog, that old guy. Also, why is all this happening in a bookstore? <laughs> so I just don't ask no, it's so strange. It's like, I, I, I was just like, oh my God, everything is sort of happening at once. And I know Gina's like a freelance um, editor, but yeah. she has to go to work at some stage. Or maybe this is her day off and she just likes hanging out in the bookstore. I, yeah. I don't I don't know. These people don't have jobs. They don't. They're, <laughs> they're only there. I, I think Buddy yeah. never leaves, I don't think. But, no, uh, I don't think he does. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have open mic guys show up and they ask if he wants a hand mic or a stand for the reading. Does your shop have readings? Uh, yes, we have... Uh, well, one's more of a stand in a market, but we have um, three altogether. The suburban one, we definitely have readings. Oh, we did have before the pandemic. Yeah. Um, or we'd have like um, author events, that kind of thing. I think it's kind of, um, to be in the thing at the moment, you do author readings because, again, it just provides this community kind of feel to it. So you're constantly, as I said, you're you're an event planner as much as you are a book, bookseller. <laughs> nice. Uh, my wife has, has wrote a book and it was it was published. And so she got to do a reading at the big bookstore here in Portland, Powell's Books. Oh, cool. um, but with with her uh, publisher and everything, it wasn't like a book tour situation. Mm. So do people tour tour come through, a touring come through and do like, like, is that the type of thing you have to schedule? Or is it just sort of uh, this person has a book come out and it's local or? Um, usually it's local. 
Gotcha. Um, I think we've had a few sort of um, bigger sort of look, but they've all been kind of local, um, local-ish authors. Um, usually, if it's a big tour, we'll go to the place to sell their part of be part of the thing that sells their book more than gotcha. anything else. I've noticed. Um, there's a bigger, in, there's a few other bigger indies um, that tend to get the bigger authors. Um, we're relatively tiny, but yeah, we do tend to keep it more to um, to um, uh, local things because um the suburb that this particular bookstore is in has a lot of um self-published wannabe authors <laughs> but we didn't know when we that store was opened um so yeah it was a surprise of like oh everyone's written a book apparently okay yeah. let's do this <laughs> <laughs> that's excellent uh dante says that the magic hour is a special time in a bookstore do you notice the magic hour when you're working in the bookstore uh no i have okay. never been aware i do like actually um if it's not if i'm not doing the late late shift after i've closed um and i can just kind of settle in for the day cash up tidy a few things around before i leave i think i do like that and that would maybe be my magic moment um because i'm just not thinking about what i have to do yeah um, on that day or what deliveries might be coming it's all kind of already happened um though i've never really thought of it as a magic time in, right. in the bookstore <laughs> <laughs> yeah no 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 yeah uh gina returns and she's created a new persona and it's super strange and they have a real weird moment that was my note i made for that it, all their moments are weird but when she sort of says yes i knew he was a cad i was just pretending to be someone else and she's telling this weird story and it's I'm such like a going, weird story when did this turn into sex in the city um i'm confused it's well, yeah, 2006 it is... is definitely sex in the city time yeah, so I suppose yeah, you're right. So I suppose everyone else is trying to be fun and single and yeah. and and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's such a weird. Mo Every time those two have an have an interaction, I'm just like, no, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, it's just weird. It's very strange. An FBI guy arrives because what and uh, needs to check their records. The FBI says the terrorists have been frequenting the store to learn chemistry. Um, um uh... Uh, no <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was such a weird moment i think this is when the what of uh, the fantasy of what a bookstore actually is kind of comes into play yeah and yeah. read you like a book it is the uh pantheon of truth it is the pantheon of free speech it is the pantheon of protected speech yes um and to have this guy walk in and demand your records one would never i can't imagine well imagine ever happening because i'd be like we don't keep those kind of records what yeah. um they go straight if they did they go straight to the bank um which you probably can get um right. I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure what this is this is about um and it's yeah and it's just this kind of weird thing and then he gives this big speech about protecting books protecting literature yes all this kind of thing and i think that's very much um the fantasy of what people think a library or a bookstore actually is i think it's a really nice fantasy and i think it's mostly true um people who work in bookstores tend to like reading and want to champion um books and literature and free speech and and all kinds of speech and all that kind of thing um but yeah i've never had someone i've had people call asking for a specific book which they probably know i don't we don't stock because mm. that person's awful but it's um never yeah <laughs> i just like oh this is where the oh bookstores are magical kind of thing comes yeah. into it <laughs> yeah it certainly does and it's time for the reading so we see everyone arrive and sit in their collapsible chairs i love these sort of indies where it's like oh, it's all the characters that we've seen up till this point in the film. They're all at the reading. Like, the, we we know every character that's there. There's not, like, 
I just love that. Uh, suddenly Dante enters and he starts to break the story, but the men grab him and JJ McTeague gives him the gives him back the floor so he can continue his speech. Uh, suddenly everyone has discs and they and then <laughs> I like that moment actually. Yeah. And then Benny collapses and I thought he was faking it. Like he was just like a distraction or something. Mm. But no, he's had a heart attack and he goes to intensive care. Uh, Rick says he doesn't want to risk the store, so he leaves. Marsha and Norman say storm movies as they're leaving and a storm's rolling in. And I was like, gosh, I love these two characters. I wish yes. <laughs> I wish we had less of Gina and Dante and more of those two. They were great. I wish I had more of those two because they were fun. I could just have followed them around the, the storm for most of this movie. Definitely. <laughs> uh, Kate leaves. Dante asks Gina to take a book to Benny. Uh, then she's gone and we're back with Dante alone in the shop. And I was like, oh, this is the end of the movie. Nope. <laughs> but wait. <laughs> uh, no, he reads from Chekhov and quotes two other books and then feels, oh, I wrote that this feels like the end. But then there's a, a voiceover that gets interrupted. Barbara's back. She shares her regrets. The book had shown her what she needed to do to return and change it. And she's with him. But he doesn't make a move on her and instead says, next time, bring the kids, which I was like, oh, thank you for this like sweet moment where he's realizing that he doesn't want to mess up her life and that he wouldn't help her in any way. And I just was like, oh, she's going to bring her kids and they'll start a different way of knowing each other, which will be nice. It will be nice. It was kind of a nice way of um, ending it. So so now he could just be keeping inappropriate with Gina. But it's um, <laughs> this kind of, yeah, it's kind of a nice moment of uh realizing that they had a bad breakup yeah and realizing that um they can move past that now and they can at least be friends and he she can bring the kids to the bookstore they can be friends or friendly um and they can at least uh, both it's that moment is them both putting past behind them because yes. i think before that you do get the sense um that both of them are now living the life that they thought that they would never live um or they didn't want to be loving this was like the alternative bad reality that they somehow found, found themselves in yeah um and now they're like no this is the no this is life is good um we can move forward from this point i don't have to keep thinking about whatever happened in the past right yeah 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 i, I love that yeah. uh he stops to read from house of usher and then the lights go out and now this sequence feels like a horror movie it's such a weird turn he gets a flashlight he investigates there's tense music two guys who were spying are back they beat him up and rip pages from the book and shove it in his mouth and i was like so weird <laughs> this is so cruel like the rest of the film is like small town like low stakes mm. drama and then this happens and i was like if this movie ends like this i'm gonna be blown away that they're just like i know and then I we didn't... killed dante i'm like oh my god <laughs> did not see that coming that is a definite how clicks was meant to end it was like Oh, actually, Dante. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, oh, I just yeah. clicked. Yeah. I just clicked. Because um, it does have a vague Clerks vibe to it. Um, that, you know, the original Clerks was meant to end with Dante getting shot because he wasn't meant to be there that day. And I was thinking, oh, God, yeah, this movie's just going to kill Dante randomly for no reason. Um, but no, it, it doesn't quite. But it's such a cruel moment of 
tearing out the pages and it just for cruelty's sake it's not because uh, everything else about books is a metaphor but this yeah. is just purely no we're just going to do this because we're assholes <laughs> yeah yeah i mean they're awful and then uh the next day employees find dante still on the ground uh and he's alive but before you can feel good gino arrives and tells us that benny's dead and i'm just like oh my god what is happening <laughs> it's the last straw for dante he has the disc he's gonna bring it in another bad guy shows up and they name authors at him in an, in a very strange sequence <laughs> they ward him yes. off by just saying authors names yeah and then the power dante... of literature it compels you yes <laughs> dante and gina go get a blueberry muffin and then danny is back to buy the book good old danny glover Yes. And then we end and each t character gets a title card and they smile at the screen. Which <laughs> that is, is my like, favorite part. <laughs> I want every movie to do that. You know how you feel when you get to the end of a good book? You don't ever want it to end. Yes. I don't care. I just, I want those. Respect the actors and the characters. And I'm looking at you, Netflix, and any other yes. streaming service that cuts off the credits. <laughs> Uh, I just thought, what a fun way to end it, because they also had just been so cruel to one of the characters. Really, because no one is even worried about Dante. He's been on the floor, beaten up, lying on a cold floor the whole entire night. Yeah. And no one even suggests, hey, maybe we should take you to the hospital and make sure that you don't have a concussion. No, it's Benny's dead. Everyone's sad. Let's go get a muffin. It's, yeah. it's a very strange ending um but it's kind of like a life goes on and yeah it just and then danny glover shows up with a hmm, <laughs> he's like i'm look, back <laughs> i'm back look on his face and and then the movie ends but no i do love the characters just kind of smiling at the camera because even the smaller characters were only in it for five minutes which i right. really loved because it's just this really sweet way of ending this and perfect way of ending this very strange movie <laughs> yeah you know what I would love is if uh, Quentin Tarantino was like, fine, I'll tell you all what's in the suitcase in Pulp Fiction. It's this book that Danny Glover carries around. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, that would be the best. Like oh, when that Paul would be Red amazing. Would, would go on Conan O'Brien and he'd always play a clip from a movie, but it was always a clip from Mac and um, Me. Mac and Me. <laughs> and I would just love it if Tarantino just trolled everyone with the movie Read You Like a Book. <laughs> And everyone's like going, what is it? Because at least with Mac and Me, people sort of vaguely remember that from their right. kid and what thought they were renting E.T. but then got Mac and Me. And then this movie, they're like, what the hell is that? What is Karen Black doing in that movie? <laughs> I've never heard of this. Like, what did Quentin Tarantino wrote Pulp Fiction about this? Like, yes, what? This is what he was writing about? I don't understand. That doesn't no. even work in the timeline. This is 2006. <laughs> How did he... <laughs> so many questions so many questions uh, so that's the end of the film any final thoughts before we move into final questions uh no i think it's um dante can't shelve to save himself that's the only thing i really noticed um he just oh yeah Ed books. please please break down what the shelving is because I, I don't know what that means <laughs> uh, shelving is just basically either tidying books that are on the shelf or putting books away mm. and there is a it sounds weird because you're just putting things away but there's an art to it because one it needs to be in ordered and it needs to be kind of merchandised as in you have a face out which means if there's like a couple of books or one book you put it um cover face out not spine oh, okay. um and he just kind of drops books on things and just kind of pokes things and i'm like that's not you need to actually get in there and actually um uh, take a whole chunk of books shift them move them around take them 
like uh, move them down shelves, move them around. So it's kind of like a puzzle almost, especially when it's getting near Christmas and you have more stock than you know what to do with. Oh yeah. Just before everything really gets crazy. And yeah, and so that is never, I've never seen, which why would you have that in a movie? It's 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 literally shuffling paper, um, essentially what it is. But they kind of had it a little bit and read you like a book. And I'm like going, oh, oh God, I would be going over there in a second going now. This is how we shelf. Right. <laughs> how often does someone come up and request a book? And I'm assuming you have a computer system that tells you it's in stock, only it's not where it's supposed to be. All the time. Oh my gosh. <laughs> At least once a day. <laughs> yeah, because people just take things off shelves and just put them wherever. Oh, yeah. And also, if you've got newer um, employees, they will always not do it right. I mean, mm -hmm. I think because the uh, us oldies who've worked in the store quite a while just kind of know it secondhand and we don't always explain things properly because we've just taken it as almost second nature. Yeah. You know, um, this is how you decide what genre this is. Um, this is how you decide kind of... You know, if it's a double barrel name, this is how you do it. And then, yeah, customers will just pick things up and put them um, where they're not meant to be. Um, so, yeah, that happened. That's just a normal part of the day. <laughs> yeah. The last time I was at a bookstore, I was like, do you have this? And they're like, oh, yeah, it's right over here. And then after like five minutes of standing there awkwardly next to him, I was like, it's OK. I'll um, I'll just wait. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, um, I usually just kind of run away from the customer so they don't follow me. Just if, I, if I'm not 100% right. sure I know where it is, <laughs> I'll bolt. Um, so I can come back and go, here it is. Or I will think about, okay, right. If someone else has shelved it, where else could they could have shelved it? If it's a customer, then I sometimes just take their number and just go, look, if I find That's it, That's the way you. to do it, yeah. Because I could look through this whole entire store, but it's if I don't know exactly where it is, it's going to get. I'll find it. It's more more likely me finding it randomly than I will if I am actually actively searching for it. That makes sense. Mm. That makes sense. Which brings us to final questions. These are questions just about you. Uh, <laughs> what is your favorite thing about being a bookseller slash buyer? Uh, recommending. I love, yeah, that's definitely my favorite part. That's awesome. um, I love, yeah, I love finding things that someone would never have thought of when they walked into the store. That is, uh, yeah, that's that's my favorite thing to do. Fantastic. What is a good day like for you? Not losing something, I think. Fine, oh, being good. able to know where everything is, or mostly where everything is. Um, not having anyone really cranky at you, yeah. um, I think, <laughs> is probably a really good day. <laughs> everything going right. Yeah, that's fair. And what is a bad day like? A bad day, I would say, is when it usually begins at the beginning of the day when you know if you've get a cranky customer or something wrong happened with a delivery or someone accidentally, usually me, ordered something wrong, then everything else goes wrong. That's usually mm. the bad the bad day. It's um, you let someone get under your skin or you realize, oh, this has happened and I need to fix this. Um, and then it kind of throws everything off, off balance. And then you just go home feeling just tired and exhausted and going, oh, why do I work with people? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> people don't realize that they have that ability. I think that we're unaware of how we affect each other in some ways. And, and yeah, there's, I mean, you have days, I would be at the farmer's market with my wife and um, someone would come up and just be so rude. And yes. you're just like, why do you just do this all day? You just go around just being so mean to people like, oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, it's really strange because you people say, oh, just remember, they might be having a bad day. But then you realize, actually, no, sometimes people are just assholes. Yeah. And they will 
treat you as such. Um, so yeah, it just really depends. And it's usually that first customer. If it's later in the day, I can usually handle it better. But if I get one really early in the day that is for some reason able to, and I've been doing this, working with custom, uh, customer service since I was a teenager, yeah. um, that they can still get under your skin if they know how to do it. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so then, it just puts you in a bad mindset. Yeah, by the same accord, someone can turn it around by being like super nice. Like, yeah. and, and that'll happen. And I'm just like, wow, you don't, I don't think about how we, affect each other so like on such a huge spectrum and like mm. whenever somebody is like super kind i just am like oh, this is this is unbelievable i don't know it's like that part in the grinch where his heart swells a bunch of times uh, for good reason not because of a disease but um yeah it's uh it's it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's impressive how we can do that yeah really impressive and really quickly as well and i don't know it can be worse if you know the person or not the person but yeah a stranger doing something if even if it's just something kind like oh i liked that book you recommended or maybe have you tried this or just hey how's your day going it yeah it can make a big difference yeah oh and, and when you say that to someone who's working and they they look shocked you're like oh god no one ever talks to you about yourself <laughs> at all ever like, <laughs> no. wow okay yeah i'm gonna do that for sure uh any advice for someone who wants to be a bookseller slash buyer don't expect to be the buyer straight away because the buyer is usually will hang on to their job, which which is not what I ever did. I didn't want to push the buyer out, but it's just those kind of people, buyers have been in the industry forever. Um, and I am, am one of them. Um, also, I would not expect the romanticism of a bookstore because at the end of the day, you are working retail. Mm. You're just really lucky to work with something that hopefully you really love. Mm -hmm. And so there isn't that kind of romanticism, like say when Dante sees the spilt coffee, it's like, yeah, you just grab a cloth and get on with it and clean. Most of your job is cleaning. Most of your job is dealing with people who you may not particularly like or want to be dealing with all that much. Um, Cause sometimes you go, Hey, I think you, if you like this book, I think you'll like this. And they just have a look in their face of how dare you suggest anything <laughs> remotely fantasy to me. And I'm just like, actually it's not really fantasy. It's just, but it's got that element that you said you liked. Um, yeah, it's 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 very sort of strange because you are working with people and as much and it's, and people are exhausting because it's yeah. not you unlike a podcast where I get to talk about things that I'm interested in with people who have the same uh, interest as me. Mm -hmm. You are dealing with people who are completely and wildly different, and that can be fascinating a lot of the time, and it can also be very exhausting. Yeah. Um. Because all I want to do is just talk about Haruka Murakami and Sarah Waters and all my favorite authors, and no, a lot of people don't like them. So it's, yeah, and it's, it's, yeah. So it's um, you've got to realize that it's not about you; it's about them, and there isn't that romanticism about saving the world through literature it's literally you are selling a book to someone for whatever reason they want that particular thing yeah well and also in customer service there's a there's like a heightened presence that you operate on and oh yeah people don't realize that you're doing that for every single individual all day like they're yes. just they're seeing you for five to ten minutes but like you have to turn that on for every single person like yep. you haven't been doing all <laughs> 
just for that person and that person and that person. Mm. It's like, you're just, every person that comes up, you're like, hi, how's it going? Even though you're like, oh gosh, I wish I could leave. Like, wish I could leave and just not talk to anyone. I'm going to go hide in the window and do something, but then they'll ask you for help regardless. (laughs) Um, If you're just doing a job that you're like, okay, I just, I've had enough of people. I need to do this job. I'll be over here. Cause in my stores, there's not, there's no really back room that you can go out and really escape mm-hmm. from. You do everything where it's in these communal areas. They will still find you and they will still ask for your help. And no matter how many books you're carrying, no matter how many what they're doing, you will have to stop, which is customer service. That is the thing you sign yeah, up for. That's true. It's not, it's not the bookstore. It's the customer service you're signing up for. So I think that's what I would keep in mind whenever those people go, oh, it must be so nice to work in a bookshop. Yes, it's a great job, but it's not the job I think you think it is. Right. Like it's not, it's not, okay, it's not brain surgery. I'm not that smart to be able to do something really, really intensive, but at the same time, it's not an easy job. You will be, you're on your feet all the time. Um, Breaks are depending on very much, especially at the moment when no one's buying anything because we're all stuck at home. Um, Your breaks can be very, very dependent on how busy you are what's going on with the day. Um, you don't have normal, you don't get to have lunch at a lunchtime. It's usually either really early or really late in the afternoon. It's mm-hmm. it's very, um, you're on your feet constantly, walking around, lifting heavy things, books are heavy. Um, random bruises on my arms because I'm just constantly carrying things and bumping into things. Um, much like say, uh, my partner's a chef, you have the same thing. We just constantly covered in bruises. <laughs> like, no, we're not being abusive to each other. We just work in <laughs> industries where we bump into things. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, you're, it's a very physical job. And yes, there have been more, I'm not saying it is the most physical job. I'm just sort of saying it's more labor intensive than I think people think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to my final question. And it's my favorite question. Lindsay, what are your dreams like? Ah, uh, weird. <laughs> They are very strange, especially since COVID. Um, they've been really vivid, um, almost like adventure horror movies or spy oh. movies. I actually did have a dream where, because a lot of the times I do have work dreams where I'm, no one will leave me leave, leave the store. Customers just keep coming in. I'm all, not allowed to leave, like ever. Uh, but I did have one where something was chasing me, but the thing I had to find was stuck in a box somewhere in a in a store. Was it my store? It was an amalgamation of about six different things, but hmm. it was... Was it a yeah, disc? Surprisingly not. Actually, I don't know what it was, but I had to find it quickly. And so I had to keep rummaging through boxes. It's a lot of those kind of dreams. Um, very action-packed, very being chased a lot kind of kind of thing. Excellent. Well, Lindsay, thank you so much for watching Read You Like a Book and joining me to talk about it and sharing stories of your life. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. And thank you for introducing me to this very strange movie. I'm not entirely sure if it's worth a um, blind buy, but you can only get it on DVD. But it is... Yeah. It is a really weird surprise of a movie. I, the first, yeah, it, you won't, I didn't hate it. Um, I think it's really fascinating. It's um, fascinating. It's fascinating. And I'm so glad I got, actually got to watch it. Yes, of course. And I can't wait for you to bring it up to someone and have them be extremely confused about it. <laughs> yes. You're like, we work in a bookstore. And they're, what? <laughs> okay. Once again, people can find Lindsay at Schlock and Ah Podcast. And please do. I'm Dirk Marshall. Until next time, this has been V H. Us.